0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. So far, uh, as we look um, into uh, the life of Elijah, and this week, I feel like God gave me a really clear word for you and for me, and I believe it's gonna encourage some of you today. I would probably, if I were a betting man, I would imagine many of you are Uh, in the season that uh, Elijah was brought into in this next section. And uh, what we have here today is, remember last week, uh, as we started our series, uh, we have Elijah coming onto the scene in 1 Kings chapter 17, and we didn't have any history of Elijah prior to this. Elijah just showed up, and from what we understand from Scripture, Elijah must have had some sort of ministry or some sort of activity, uh, you know, because later on, Ahab calls him a troublemaker, because here we see that Elijah was an ordinary guy. He wasn't special. There was nothing fancy about him. He was from a very small town up in a mountain region, uh, probably a population of less than 1,000 And this guy lived there and he, uh, you know, he had his own fashion sense and his own look and his own appetite and he was unique and different and interesting. And whenever he, he would go into the larger populace, people would look at him funny because he didn't dress like them and he didn't look like them. He didn't talk like them. He was just ordinary. But the idea of this series is to help you understand that You don't have to be an extraordinary person to be used by God. God is the one who does extraordinary things through ordinary people. And I want you to know today that it's big on my heart that you would understand something from the oldest in the room to the youngest in the room. God has a plan and a purpose for your life that is bigger than you can imagine. It's bigger than you can understand. God has a plan for you. And here's this ordinary Elijah who is a nobody. The scripture says he was an ordinary guy. He rolls into the, the the president's office, the prime minister's office. He looks him square in the eyes and he says, hey, Ahab, King Ahab, who was the king of Israel. And this king, Israel, uh, well, Israel was God's people. And Ahab understood who you, Yahweh was. He knew who God was. He knew... Uh, Uh, about the goodness of God. And he knew about what God had done, but he chose to follow after his wife Jezebel's God named Baal. So even though he was a professor of God, he did not live his life for God. And the Bible says he was the most wicked king to ever live. They had over 19 consecutive evil kings in a row leading the people of Israel. And so here's Ahab. And Ahab is this wicked king, and Elijah walks in the room, and the very first verse we see of Elijah, he walks in the room, and he looks Ahab in the eyes, and he says, I want you to know that it's not going to rain, and there's going to be no moisture in the entire land for the next three years. What that meant was, is that they believed Baal was the god of rain, the god of the weather, And so Elijah was picking a fight with his Baal. Listen, I'm going to prove to you that your Baal God is nothing, that that he's not alive. And I said this last week, and I'm going to say it again. Do you know that there are no other gods other than our God, Jesus Christ? They might talk about that he's God. They might think that he's God. They might refer to them as God, but there is only one God. The only alive God is our God. That's why it's so powerful to be a follower of Jesus Christ and to be a believer and a Christian because we actually have a God who is alive and living and active in the world today. And Elijah goes in and says, listen, there's going to be no rain. And so Ahab's pretty ticked. Remember in those days, what that meant was an economic shutdown. That wasn't just you know, no rain and it would be less food and high gas prices like we're facing today. Some people saying they're going on the the shelves and there's no food for goodness sakes. That's bad. But then uh, uh, no rain meant literally no economy. So they ended up going through a drought and they ended up going through a famine and there was people who were struggling and it was really uh, a a season in in the land of Israel where people had turned their hearts away from God. And so God says, okay, listen, I'm gonna show you what it's like to live life without me. So here he looks him in the eyes and he says, listen, um, I'm going to have no rain until I say differently to Ahab. And then God speaks to Elijah. And God speaks to his heart. And what we're going to see here in today's message is this, is that he, he needed to take him into an, a, a season of preparation. Why? Because God wanted to do greater things through Elijah's life. Remember, he caused a fire to come down from heaven over a bowl. And he, 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 uh, his bones eventually healed another man's body after he had passed away. And there were incredible, incredible things that God had in store for Elijah's life. But before Elijah could do those things, it's so he did this incredible thing where he spoke to Ahab. And then God said, okay, that was great. But I'm going to do greater through your life. But before we get there, I need to take you through a preparatory season. I need you to hear me today. Not a single person in this room is disqualified from the great things that God wants to do in their life. You might think that your mistakes and your choices and the sin that you've committed, yes, those things are egregious to God and they grieve the heart of our Father. But guess what? When you confess your sins, the Bible says to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. Not only that, when you confess your sins one to another, the Bible says, You are healed. So you might just qualify yourself and say, I don't fit and I, I, God could never use me. And Oh, I'm just going to be an accountant or I'm just going to be a janitor or I'm just going to work at a, as a waitress or a waiter. All oh, this is all my life. No, I want you to know God has something great uh, for your life that is above and beyond all that you can ask or dream or imagine. Look what the scripture says in Ephesians 2.10. God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things He had already planned for us to do. Whether you like it or not, before the foundations of time, God has already planned out your purpose and already planned out what He has for you to do. It's not like you're living your life and God's like, well, what are we gonna do with Ryan now? He made some mistakes and he fell short. Well, I guess he's gonna be a little bit late to the party, but you know what? I didn't really foresee that. And so I guess. Maybe I'll use him to do this. No, God had plans for your life before the foundations of time. Do you understand that? That he has a purpose for you and a plan for you. And yes, do we get pushed around in life? And yes, do we get beat up? And yes, do we face hardship? And yes, do we make mistakes? And yes, do we fall short? Of course, you're human. I'm human. Don't you think God accounted for our faults? You're here today and say, Ryan, I made mistakes and I'm I'm too old and... I did it, and it's over. No, 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 no. Look what the scripture says in, in 1 Corinthians two nine. but as the scriptures say, no eye has ever seen, and no one has ever heard, and no one has ever imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. This isn't just for the young person coming out of high school, going into Bible college, or the young person coming out of high school, going into business school. Say, oh, my life's ahead of me. I want you to hear me. Your life is still ahead of you. And the things that God has planned for you are great, but I want you to hear me today. If God is going to use you for his purposes greatly, he's also got to take you into a season of preparation as well. Before we can do anything extraordinary for God, he has to take us into a season of preparation. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna share with you three things today we can learn that God wants to do when he takes us into this season of preparation. Preparation. We go into the season of waiting, the season of difficulty, the challenges that we're facing. We feel like we're in a holding pattern. We feel like, man, I've been in this this process for a while. I feel like I can't seem to break through. I feel like what's next for me? I want to be there. I feel like I'm ready. We're in this preparatory season for what God has in store for us. We're going to see three things, the, the, the objective of taking you and I into the season of what he did in Elijah's life. And so let's read. Our first one here today uh, in 1 Kings, we'll read just five verses today. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse two to three, after he declared to Ahab that there was gonna be no rain, it says, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. He said, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine. Everyone say, Kareth Ravine. Kareth Ravine. Hide in the Careth Ravine east of the Jordan. Now, the first thing that we have to see that God wants to do in your life when he takes you into a waiting season, a preparatory season, a season of what's next, a season of, man, I sense God's got something coming. Maybe it's a difficulty you're facing. Maybe you're sick today. Maybe you're facing difficulty in your marriage or financial hardship or you're a young person waiting to get married or you're in a relationship, whatever it might be. Those seasons, God is using those seasons to prepare you for what's next. And the first thing God wants to do is God is transforming you. During the preparatory season, God is working something in you so he can do something extraordinary through you. It's a transforming season. Every season you go through, good and bad. Now, some of the seasons you go through are just a downright attack of the devil. But other seasons we go through are just the fallen world that we live in and God says, okay, I'm gonna use this moment of your life where you failed. I'm gonna use this moment of your life where your marriage is uh, in uproar. I'm gonna use this moment of your life where there was a loss. I'm gonna use this moment of your life when you got injured or hurt and it kept you back. I'm gonna use this moment of your life when you feel like you're getting too old to have any purpose. I'm gonna use this moment of your life and I'm going to take you into a season of preparation and it's going to frustrate the heck out of you. Why? Because I want to transform you. There's something that I'm trying to do within you. Notice what he said in the scripture to Elijah. He said, I want you to go and do what? Hide in the character Hide there. Go into the hidden place. Go into the secret place. Go into the place, and I want to hide you there. There is something valuable that I'm trying to teach you in this place where no one sees you, where you're alone, where you're by yourself. It's isolated. It's lonely. It feels like, gosh, it feels like the world is passing by, and everyone around me is getting the promotions, and everyone around me is seeing breakthrough, and everyone around me is seeing all these things, and I'm just here in the hidden place, in the secret place. It's because God wanted to be alone with Elijah put them into this place. And what's happening in this hidden place, which is fascinating, that word kareth in the Hebrew literally means to be cut down like a tree. That word means to be cut off from the source. The word means to very literally to be cut off from a a season of momentum. It means to be cut off like a tree were to be fell in the wilderness, to chop down a tree until it falls down prostrate. This season of cutting, this season... Of pruning, this season of working, this season, God said, Okay, Elijah, you just came from a really great season of life, and now I've got great things in store for you, but I'm gonna put you in a holding pattern, and I want you to go into the hiding place, into the secret place. And what I'm gonna do there is I'm gonna prune you, and I'm going to cut you, and I'm gonna humble you, and I'm gonna work on you, and I'm gonna speak to you, and I'm gonna identify areas of your heart and your life that will hold you back from what God, what I wanna do in this next season. Yes, it's difficult And yes, it's hard And yes, I'm working in your life But God sent Elijah to that place He said, I need you to go into this place of hiding I need you to go into this secret place I need you to be in a waiting pattern Now, I know there's a lot of people in the room today That feel like they're in a holding pattern There's nothing more frustrating than a holding pattern Can I hear an amen? There's nothing more frustrating than feeling like that's where I want to be, that this is where I am. God, why can't I be there? And we're frustrated and we're angry and we're upset. It's because God has led you to this season and there is a purpose behind it. There is transformation happening in your life. Look what um, um, an a incredible revivalist said from the early 1900s. Time spent alone with God is not wasted. It changes us. It changes our surroundings. And every Christian who would live a life that counts... Every Christian is gonna make a difference for God and who would have power for service must make time to pray, must find themselves in the secret place, must find themselves in the hidden place. And so Elijah went to this place and he was completely alone. See, oftentimes in our world today, we run from loneliness as though it's, it's a, there's a pandemic of loneliness in our world today. You can be surrounded by people and go to a church where you feel like there's people all around you, yet I just can't seem to connect to anyone. Have you considered that it's not the people and it might not even be you? It's a season where God is trying to be alone with you. He wants you to turn your loneliness into aloneness with God. And we know that in, this, in the Bible, Elijah wasn't the only one. Remember Moses? Moses didn't get called into ministry to lead the people out of Israel until he was 80. He spent 40 years wander, 40 years wandering in the wilderness leading sheep. Now, when Moses, at the very end of that 40 years of being in the wilderness, the Bible says that Moses led the sheep into the deepest part of the wilderness, and that is where God spoke to Moses that's where he went to the top of the mountain and saw this strange sight called the burning bush it wasn't in the uh, being around other people it wasn't even in the beginning of the wilderness season it was 40 years at the end of that time he pushed deeper into being alone with God and God did something supernatural he met with him and he called him as he prepared him and transformed him how about David David spent a majority of his early teenage years on the backside of a hill when he was called to be the very king of Israel just taking care of sheep playing his guitar, and now we have one of the largest hymnal books of Christian songs in the book of Psalms from David. Where did he write those? On the back hills of of, of shepherding that flock. It wasn't all in the kingdom. It was back in the day when he would journal, when he would sit there alone with God. He feels like, man, I feel like I could be the next worship leader at Love City Church, or man, I feel like I could plant a church, or I feel like God wants me to start a business, or I feel like, man, there's a gifting in me, and I want to use that gifting in the house of God. And what God wants you to know is that he wants you to develop those things in the secret place with God. That's where all of the great things that God has for you will come out of. Not your public life, your private life. We see that also Joseph was, remember, forgot about. Remember he went to the cupbearer? I don't remember which one died. Was it the cupbearer or the, the other guy? The baker. He died. The baker died. That was a brutal death. He got impaled, didn't he? I don't remember. I think they put his head on a spike. But anyways, uh, the, the, the cupbearer, the cup he said, hey, don't forget about me. Two years he sat in the prison and he did nothing wrong. You think, man, it's just me. No, no, this is God's plan. It's just me. It's just my life. I'm in him and said, no, 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 this is God's will. I don't like it. Well, neither do I. But get over it. Because <laughs> the longer you struggle in it, the longer you'll be there. Look what Jesus said i'm the true grapevine and my father is the gardener he cuts off every branch of whose who's talking wrap that in your theological burrito and eat it (laughs) he cuts off every branch of mine now jesus didn't sin but jesus was also human the father was teaching him and showing him and revealing to him it doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. Many of you here today are in this Carath ravine, and you might be in a season of pruning or crushing or cutting or a season of frustration or a season of waiting, and what it does is it induces frustration and it induces bitterness at times and anger and impatience. Maybe it's a season of pain, a season where you wonder, God, have you left me? Or maybe it's a, a season of isolation and you feel disconnected and alone. Or maybe it's, you feel like, man, I've been put on the shelf and that I have more to give and that, and that I'm not done yet. And that you're watching life pass you by and you wonder, has God forgotten about me? I want you to know today, God says, no, you've got to understand, I am doing something in you. There's a preparatory work going on I'm teaching you something that you could not learn any other way. I am doing this work in you so I can do more through you. The reality is, is that sometimes we feel like God's forgotten about us, but actually God is very present in this season. In fact, I believe this with all of my heart. You will experience more of the nature and the character of God in this season than you will when you're doing the great things that God's called you to do. When you're doing the great things God's called you to do and you're feeling like you're on all cylinders and man, I feel like God's opening doors, You reflect on those two seasons The season when I had nothing And where we had $800 to pay I had to find $800 a month to pay our bills And I just basically left to church And was frustrated at the season And I was feeling down and out And I I didn't want to serve the Lord I remember my wife wanted to go to church And I said, no way, I hate church I don't want to go to church How many of you relate to me in that? Hallelujah I don't want to go to church I hate that pastor I hate the Christians I hate the people They're all stupid They're all liars Whatever That's how I felt But it was in that season Where I felt the closest to the Lord it was in that moment where I felt God's presence. It was in that moment where God stripped away all of my preconceived notions. And this is the question he asked me, Ryan, when life sinks, do you still believe that I'm good? That's what he taught me during the lowest pit, pit season of my life. God is good no matter what. Even when I'm not good, even if I don't think he's good, how I think about God does not change God's nature and character but he's showing you in this season he's working on something in your life and so many of you are there right now in the Kerith Ravine and I want you to be encouraged today it's gonna stink but the more God breaks you the more God prepares you the more isolation you feel the more loneliness you feel that means great things are ahead there's two things I've learned in life when the devil attacks God's up to something when I'm in a preparation season God's up to something the two things we hate the most, the demonic attack and when I'm in the waiting season, are the two things God uses the most to show us I'm up to something. Here's a second thought today. The second thing that God wanted Elijah to learn was this: God is teaching you, Look at this total surrender. Look what he says in 1 Kings 17:5. So Elijah heard the word of the Lord. Go down to Carethvenne and hide there. Now Kerith Ravine was an isolated, lonely place, and remember, they were in a drought and they were in a famine. It says he did what the Lord told him to do, and he went to Carith Ravine, each of the Jordan, and he stayed there. It's okay, Leah. Don't cry, honey. God's teaching him complete surrender. He did exactly what the Lord told him to do. Elijah went to the season knowing I'm about to go in. Do you know how long Elijah was there? Elijah was there for almost over a year. It wasn't a home, it was the wilderness. He went into the wilderness. And he stood next to a dry stream, and he had no food, and he had nothing. He knew he was going into a season, but he knew that God was trying to teach him to totally obey. And when God's calling you into this season or you're in the season, you have two options, and that is it. Your first option, and it's a hard word, is to be rebellious. Your first option is to fight God on it. Your first is to be frustrated and upset that God doesn't know you well enough. I don't deserve to be in this season, God. I am better than this. I've gone through it. I've been in it. And now I'm ready, God. He says, oh, no, you're not. We can fight it. And you can choose to fight against it and you can choose to say man I don't want it and you can do that and here's the hard truth you will stay there until you can learn to totally surrender God and to God and recognize that he is in it this is when life feels completely miserable when we are fight against the season, we cannot see the evidence of God's working in our life. We can't see it around us. That's why we sing these songs because a lot of us are in this Kerith Ravine season. How hard is it and how difficult it is it to see the goodness and the compassion and the grace and the provision of God? You look at your life and say, oh God, I want to be somewhere else. What you don't realize is that God is providing for you like crazy But when we fight that season, when we push against that season, we're actually digging our heels in and saying, God, I don't want to see it because I don't want to be here anymore when reality is God knows that's exactly what you need. In fact, it's a loving act for him to leave you in that place because he knows if he lets you go into this next season, you won't do well. He knows that you'll be tempted by success. You'll be tempted by pleasure. You'll be tempted by anxiety or worry or fear. Or when things get big and you have to, God wants you to move into a next season and expects a big chunk of change and a big ask of faith. You won't have the faith strengthened in your system to be able to say yes to God. But in that season is when God is trying to teach you and show you, but we cannot be rebellious to it. What's the second option? You already know what it is. Submit to God. Recognize that the season you're in is where God wants you, and He's doing it because He loves you. And it might not be the timing that I want. It might not be the season that I want. It might not be what I want, but despite that, I have to recognize that God knows me better than me, and I know He has something planned for me. And if I just yield to Him and trust in Him and lay my life down before Him, I'm gonna get through the season quicker. I'm gonna get through the season more holy. I'm gonna get through the season more closer to God. I'm gonna get through the season more happy. I'm gonna get through the season filled with joy. I won't be miserable and bitter and upset. I'll realize that my father knows what's best for me. So I completely and totally surrender. And remember, God called Elijah into this season. He allowed him to sit in this place. I want to read the scripture. Jesus said this in John chapter 12, verse 24. Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies it remains only a single seed, but if it dies, it produces many seeds. Many of us in this season want to stay kind of fighting the death. <laughs> and so we stay attached to the kernel of wheat. And in that kernel of wheat, in that bundle of wheat, you actually still get nourishment. You actually still get a source of protein and strength. But you can stay there. But the problem is, you'll just, it'll just, you'll just be alone. There'll be no multiplication in your life. There'll be no There'll be no works of God in your life. It'll just be you, alone, individual, focused on me, but if I say, okay, God, I'm going to die. The Bible says you will die as you're planted into the seed. You will completely die to yourself. But guess what? You will see a harvest in your life. Do you know from one kernel of wheat, one simple kernel of wheat, you can fill an entire football field of wheat grains. Like, you, like millions upon millions upon millions of grains of wheat come from one kernel. We just have to choose to die. Ooh. Surrender. This death in our lives, Jesus says, to take up your cross and follow after me is the essence of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So I'm going to say this today, and I don't want everyone to hear me who's watching online in the room. You say, Ryan, what does it take to follow Jesus Christ? The Bible says you have to die to yourself, you be crucified. Your motivations, your cravings, your future, your ideas. Say, Ryan, I love those. Those are, those are what make life beautiful. I want to just testify. And I'm not, we're all dying daily, but I can just testify being gone through many, I feel like I'm always in the Careth ravine. <laughs> There's always something God's working on in my life. But can I just testify that the things that I died to are nowhere compared to the things that God made alive in my life? That's the lie of the devil That the things that you're holding on so tightly Are so precious They are just nothing compared To the life that God has for you Some of you in this room Are called to be business owners That will see millions come into the kingdom of God Some of you are called to be pastors and prophets And some of you are called to be church planners And some of you are called to be business people And some of you are called to travel around the world And some of you are called to do all these incredible things And I want to say I want to see that in your life And the way you're going to see it Isn't to just go out and prove yourself It's to die Just totally surrender to God. Man, don't you love this sermon? (laughs) I'm gonna bring my friend to church. (laughs) Because what happens is is that when we die, the Bible says we come alive to Christ. And to live is death and, and to die is gain. When I die, I gain Christ in the power of his resurrection in my life. Let's get to the last one here this morning. God is teaching you total dependency and total trust so what he does is when you go into this season if you're here today and i know there's probably a good chunk of you who are in this waiting period in this preparatory season number one what he wants to do in your life is he wants to transform you number two he wants to teach you to be completely and totally surrendered to him to, to really to die to yourself and thirdly what he wants is he wants to teach you total dependency and total trust in god that god is your provider when we go into the season, what he's trying to show you is that you can have the smartest brain and the most intellect and the greatest schemes and the greatest ideas and all sorts of things, but when God provides, it's so much far above and beyond what you can conjure up in your own human strength. That in our own intellect, in our own understanding, in our own smarts, in our own ways, all those things are great and God gave them to you. But God takes you into a season of desperateness, of desperation to say, God, I don't know how you're going to come through in this situation. How are you going to provide for me? How are you going to break through in that ministry? How are you going to provide opportunity? How are you going to, God, I don't understand how you're going to do this. And God says, I have you in the season to trust me that I will completely provide for your needs. Look what the scripture says in 1 Kings. You will drink from the brook, he said. Now remember, they're in a drought. You will drink from the brook. And I have directed, my son's texting me, You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Remember, they are now in a famine and in a drought, and he has the worst possible bird that's going to provide him food. How many of you know ravens are terrible birds? They're smart, but they're evil. Why did he choose a sparrow? It would have been so great for a sermon, too. Matthew 6. He provides for all of our needs. That's a bit of a stretch, but whatever. Do you see this incredible miracle? What's beautiful about this is that Elijah had nothing to do with his provision. God sent Elijah into a season of drought, of famine, in a hiding place. He sent him in a season where he was dry, he was thirsty, he was alone. He was isolated. He felt broken. He felt beat up. He felt lost. He felt purposeless. He didn't know what to do next. And God says, That's exactly where I want you. God, that doesn't make any sense. Why? He says, Because I want you to come to the end of yourself so you can see that I'm going to use a stinking bird to feed you meat and bread every morning and every night. All of you vegetarians, you can take this up with God. It'll sink, it's sinking in slowly. <laughs> God provided him meat. <laughs> Elijah is by himself and God does this extraordinary miracle and this is what God is doing he's saying this son and daughter I will be faithful to you son and daughter you can count on me to provide for you I have directed a bird to come and provide for you. He walked up to the brook of Kareth and he looked down on it and it was completely dry. And all of a sudden it began to bubble. He walked up and water began to bubble up and he took water and he drank it. And then it went dry again. And every morning and every night, God would provide. Notice he didn't give enough food for a week or a new food for a month. He gave him enough food, what? For one single meal. Why? So that Elijah had to go back to the hiding place. Back to that secret place. Back to the preparatory place. Back to the place where you said, God, I know I could be doing a thousand other things, but this is exactly where you want me. And I'm going to drink from your word. And I'm going to drink from your spirit. And I'm going to drink from you, from who you are. And what God does is he begins to provide perspective for you. And he begins to provide understanding for you. And he begins to provide clarity for you. And he begins to provide love and favor and joy and faithfulness for you. And He say, God, I can go nowhere else and experience this but being in the very hidden secret place with God I want you to know something look at this scripture you will drink from the brook and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there nowhere else there I am going to provide your daily bread in that hidden secret place I am gonna provide what you need for the day in that place. And this is the, the reason I wanted to take us this direction today because I believe there is a large majority of people who are feeling like they're in a season of waiting and they're frustrated and may even be bitter with God and bitter with whatever, life, and feels like, man, I'm just frustrated. Bitterness and uh, being upset and angry is, 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 I call it, you're being, you're, you're hangry. <laughs> you need God's daily bread. You need the hidden place. You need the secret place. You say, Ryan, I spent so much time there. He wants you to go back. He wants you to go back to the brook of Kareth he wants you to go back to the Kareth ravine and he wants you to get on your hands and knees and say okay Lord I need your spirit Lord I need you once again I just need to drink from your spirit Lord I need you provide for me the word and as you read your word it begins to restore to you I'm a man of God and I'm called of God and yeah I feel like I've been made so many mistakes in my life and I've fallen short but God says no son you're a man of God I'm gonna provide for you I'm gonna provide every ounce of resource and I'm gonna provide the wisdom for your children I'm gonna provide the wisdom for your spouse and I'm gonna help you you in that church where you feel like you've got so much in you. It's okay, son. I'm going to help you and I'm going to open doors of opportunity and I'm going to help you in this season and I'm going to show you patience and I'm going to show you loving kindness and faithfulness. Do you understand that God has everything that you need right in the very presence of God, in the very secret place where you go and spend time with him. You say, God, I don't want to be here anymore. He says, no, this is where I get to know you. This is where I provide for you. This is where I help you. This is where I lead you because I am preparing you for something great in your life. something great in store for you let's take our finger off the autopilot of life and just go from a to z god did not design you to go from a to z and just kind of live your life as a drone and a zombie come on christians wake up god has called you for something great in the world today it's easier to just not be in the secret place and just go about our day and go to work and do our thing and eat our food and go on vacation and say, I'm fine with this, but I want you to know You think that's exciting? Wait until your life is surrendered to God and he begins to use you in supernatural ways in your business and in your family and in your school. It begins to open doors of opportunity that are only God. It begins to do miracles. When's the last time you saw God do a supernatural miracle in your life? Yes, he does them all the time. But when you walk up and say, God, I need you to do this. And he says, okay, son, I'm gonna do it. And boom, God does a provision. Or God comes through in a miracle. Or God moves in a mighty, powerful way. That is what God is trying to do through your life but he has to take us through a season of preparation. You say, okay, Lord, I surrender to it. I surrender to it, Lord. You provide with the ravens and you provide food and water and bread. God, I surrender to it, Lord. I just feel like there's a lot of people in the room today who are. I just, this is the word I keep hearing, deeply frustrated. They're Frustrated to the point where you love the house of God. But even though you come in here, you have this little bit of a chip on your shoulder, if I can say it, or a little bit of jadedness. Maybe it's being around Christian people or it's hearing God talk. Or, but I just sense in my spirit so strong. There is this kind of uh, remuneration, this, uh, this, this sense of uh, maybe a bit of bitterness in our heart because you've been in this season for a while. I'm here to encourage you today. God has a purpose in it. Son and daughter, he loves you and he has a great plan for you. He wants to use you for mighty things. And you say, Ryan, my life screwed up. I made so many mistakes. Guess what? He actually wants to use those mistakes to bring him glory. Say, Ryan, well, I did this, and I did that, and I've got this to show for it, and that consequence, and this thing. He says, don't you think I know that? Don't you think I want to redeem the situation for my glory? That's what I'm trying to do. Stop thinking that that's the thing that will disqualify you and that's the thing that's gonna force you into the hidden place so you can say, okay, God, use my crazy broken life for your kingdom. Use my age for your kingdom, God. Use, use this season for my kingdom. He has something great in store for you. So if you're in that season today, I wanna pray for you. And then we're gonna sing a song together. Would you stand to your feet with me as we pray? Maybe I closed for a moment. I just, I know in my heart, there's a lot of people here today Who this message relates to. Just do me a favor, just close your eyes for a moment. I just this special moment with the Lord. Every eye close and just come on. Would you just place your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive a gift from the Lord right now? I just believe He wants to come. And I believe there's going to be a transformation of your mind, a shifting of your thinking right now. Holy Spirit, I just pray. Lord, for every person in the room today who's in this season or is running from that season, I pray, Lord, for the spirit of wisdom and revelation would come that they might know you better. I pray that the eyes of their heart will be enlightened, that you would open their eyes to see that the season that they're in right now, God, you're in it. You're providing for them. You're helping them. You're leading them. You're guiding them. And God, this is the season that you've called them into. Now, Lord, we surrender. We yield our lives to you, God. And we say, Father, whatever you want to do, we yield to you and say, God, I don't like it. It's not enjoyable. It hurts. But Lord, we give you permission. We say, Holy Spirit, do what you want to do. Come on, with every eye closed in this place today, anybody in the room today say, Ryan, I'm not a follower of Jesus Christ. Man, I'd like to give my life to Christ today. I'd like to start a journey with him. What we want to do is we're going to put a slide on the screen behind me. And what we want you to do is, if you'd like to give your life to Jesus, we want you just to scan that QR code or text that message. We want to talk to you today. But if that's you today, come on, and you're in the room, I want you just to put your hand in the air and say, "Right, I want to accept Jesus Christ into my life today. Come on, anybody in the room today, it's my first time being at church, or maybe you've fallen away from the Lord, and you want to start a new journey with the Lord today, it's very simple. Just put your hand in the air, put it right back down, and then I'll pray for you real quick. Father, we just pray for these people today, Lord. Holy Spirit, we want to say thank you for them. We pray, Lord, that they would give their heart to you. They make a confession of faith with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says they will be saved. And as they make that commitment today, Father, I pray they would start a journey with you. They would get a Bible. They'd read your word. And, Lord, you would transform their lives. You've chosen them. You've called them today. And we love you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.